Season 1, Episode 6. Welcome back to the Technically Speaking Podcast, the show where ministry and technology meet. I am your host, Jack Dodgen, and for the last few months, I've been working on redoing the website here for the church that I work with. And so, website uh, and website design and things like that have been on my mind. And I'm thinking of, uh, well, originally this was going to be website design mistakes that most churches make. Uh, But then I decided, no, while I want to talk about that, and I think it will be its own subject, I wanted to get into first just general website mistakes uh, that most churches make. Uh, That's not to say that every church website makes this, but let's be brutally honest with ourselves. Uh, There are very few websites within the Church of Christ that I've looked at and thought, you know, this is a really well put together website. Uh, Most of the time it is disappointing, full of clip art, uh, not updated for a span of four or five years, uh, has a lot of dead links on it and all those kinds of things. And, And that just speaks to how little I think many of us uh, care about the the internet uh, as a as a resource as a tool to reach other people and so I wanted to talk about what mistakes we make with our church websites and what we can do to fix those things I don't want to just point out here are a bunch of negatives and you know stop doing those uh, I want to give some alternatives some solutions to those problems so that hopefully you can leave this and go okay we we need to think about our websites a little more critically Uh, think about how we interact with those how we invest in those websites and what we can do with them to to be better to have a better impact with them in in our community or even to the world at large so we're going to talk about three mistakes here and i know that there's going to be more i'd love to hear your thoughts as always Uh, at my email at jdaviddodgen at gmail.com or here on SoundCloud. You can leave a comment or Facebook as well. We'd love to see uh, those comments there, and and I'll interact with you you there on those. Uh, Or even uh, if you're friends of mine on Facebook uh, on that uh, post that I will share, be happy to talk to you there uh, about mistakes uh, that you thought of that I didn't cover that maybe you'd like me to cover in the future or things that you disagree with me uh, on about this. That's fine too. The first mistake uh, that churches make when it comes to websites are uh, we don't keep it up to date. There are a lot of reasons for this. Uh, I think one of the big ones is uh, those those of us that do websites, we feel like we have to have everything up there. Uh, It's not uncommon for announcements on Sunday morning, and this has been true of many churches I've been to and visited and been with. Uh, is that announcements will go on forever. And we want to kind of jam those things that are in our bulletin or in the announcements onto our websites as well. We need a place for all the birthdays, a place for all the prayer requests. We need a place for every single little event, not just major things, but, uh, uh, you know, this little event's happening. There's a shower this day. There's a, 
there's a, a funeral list that we need to make sure it's up on the website. So much of the stuff that we want to put on there isn't necessary. Uh, but when we feel like we got to cram it all on there, then it becomes overwhelming because it is a big job, especially a big job for somebody who's volunteering. Uh, and it gets overwhelming to post. And so you stop posting and people forget about the website and it just goes by the wayside. The problem with that is you may forget about the website, but somebody traveling to your area uh, looking for a church to visit, maybe they're on vacation, uh, somebody looking for a church, maybe they're moving there and they're interested to see what you're doing. They go and look and they see, well, four years ago they had a 4th of July event, but since then, it doesn't appear that they've done much of anything. Uh, and it is very true to say that a a dead website, a lot of the time, equals a dead church. Now, I'm not saying that that is reality. I'm saying that's a perception uh, that people will will see, that they will look and see your website and go, they are not alive digitally. I have no idea what they're doing physically in the real world. I don't know if they exist. Because most people, whether we like it or not, we're becoming more and more distant. Uh, we're seeing more and more. At, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because of the culture that we grew up in or if it's becoming a popular thing to say uh, or what. But it seems like every single person who exists is now an introvert. Uh, they call themselves that. They uh, you know, share those posts of, oh, look, I'm, I'm this type of brain thinker, and I'm an introvert, and I like doing these things, and you know, this is so me, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it seems more and more people are kind of that way. They, they want to be left alone. They want to be more reclusive. Uh, they want to, it, for the purposes of our discussion today, they want to visit you online instead of driving by or dropping in and seeing, oh, I wonder what they do here. It's a lot easier to type in a link, click, and see uh, a few links and look around and go, okay, they do stuff. I'll go check them out. Uh, but if they if they come and see a dead website that's not kept up to date, they're either going to think you don't exist, that you don't care about that kind of stuff, that you don't care about them, and they don't have an opportunity to get to know you before they show up. Uh, Facebook stalking is uh, something that people do uh, all the time. Uh, I hope anyway. I hope it's not just me. Uh, you meet somebody or you're wanting to get to know somebody. Did you know this person's dating this person? Well, you go in on Facebook and go, I want to see who it is. I want to learn about it. That's a common thing, at least among my friends. And uh, that same thing is true if I'm visiting a different town and I don't know of any churches there and I want to find out where to go. I'm going to look for the website. And if there's nothing there, then I'm not going there. I mean, there have been places I've gone where instead of going to a church, because I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know what their worship was like. I didn't know what they were like. Instead of going, it was, I made the decision to, you know what, I think we're just going to do it here. We're just going to have worship at where I'm staying in this hotel uh, with the people I'm with instead of going out because of a website. So it's important that we keep these things up to date. Uh, we sometimes don't keep them up to date because we put too much information on there. Uh, and sometimes we don't keep it up to date because we don't have enough people working on it. We'll get to that next. That's kind of our second mistake. Uh, but before I get there, I want to say a solution to all of this. Hire 
or assign, uh, you know, it, it's worth it, I think, to hire people to do this. There are so many people now uh, in the churches where you are, it, it is is very likely these days that there is somebody or somebodies that know and understand how to get a website set up. There are more and more places, uh, squarespace.com, uh, I believe, maybe .org, uh, but squarespace, wix.com, those are two places that can you can very easily make a website. Uh, it's not hard. It gives you all the things and tools you need to, to set one up. It's not that bad to figure out. You don't have to know code. You don't have to know. Obviously, people who do know that, they can do other things. Um, but I was I was talking to my dad who um, was working on a website. Uh, he and my cousin working on a website for uh, where my dad works. And they know code a little bit, but there were some things they knew that they wanted to do that they needed to code for, and they didn't understand the workings like that. There were people online who had posted the code and said, this is what you need to do, and you need to input it here, and you'll be good to go. And so they did that. I mean, the resources are available for people who know very little about websites to be able to build and establish and maintain. Uh, and it's uh, one of the things I'm doing in the the website overhaul I'm, I'm doing right now uh, for Manford is I want to make it to where other people can easily get on not everybody of course but other that we can get other people on board and it's not just me staying on top of the website but that other people can easily get in and do the things uh, that need to be done to keep it up to date you might need to assign a deacon to that if you've got somebody who is talented in that area put them there Uh, if you've got people who want to serve the lord in some way and they know their way around a computer, around technology, you can trust them with the information they need to have to update and all those things. Put them in that position because your website is extremely important. Uh, I didn't mention this at the beginning. I, I, I wrote early, I wrote down on my piece of paper what I wanted to talk about. And the first thing I wrote down was uh, why churches need to be online. But we don't need to talk about that anymore. You have, Paul. as Paul says, we are without excuse at this point. If you don't know why you should be online, you have not been paying attention for the last 10 years, right? We, we know that we need to be online. We just don't know what that looks like. We need to invest in other people, whether that be people who want to serve in that way, whether it be deacons and putting a deacon in charge of that, whether it be hiring people, maybe even hiring out to Uh, somebody who works in web design and making sure you devote that portion of your budget to making sure that you have a good website that is always up to date so that when people look for you online they see a church that is alive that is doing things that is that is is happening right now they will feel if they see you online that you exist in real life and that is going to help you Uh, in the physical world, not just in your online world. So one of the big mistakes we make is we don't keep it up to date. One of the things you can do in order to counteract that is do less or put less up there. You don't need birthdays and prayer requests and every funeral and everything. You don't need all of that stuff on there. Um, Things like uh, who we are, what we believe, our worship times, that's a big one you need on there multiple times more than likely. Uh, 
a way to get directions, your address, easy contact information, um, and other things like that. We'll talk more about that in another episode about design mistakes. Uh, but choose the most important things. That needs to be on there. Don't overwhelm your workers with info because it's going to be harder and harder to keep up to date. Uh, and so just put the stuff that is most pertinent to the audience you're trying to reach. And the other thing is hire somebody. Maybe you hire somebody in a business that's outside of the church. Maybe you have people in your church that you need to inquire about and say, are there people who know their way around a computer? We want to make sure our websites as best we can uh, make it. Uh, So do those things. Don't overwhelm uh, and make sure you have a person or persons uh, in charge of this to make sure that it's up to date. That'll fix your mis- your big mistake of not keeping it up to date. Here's the second, and we kind of already hit on this. I won't spend too much time on it. Uh, one of the big mistakes we make with our websites in the church is that we put all of the website stuff on one person. Okay, and I know I just said, you know, hire it out or something like that. There are people who you can just send the information off. They'll plug it all in. It's their job, uh, and you you pay them so much every month or every week or every time that you do that. Uh, but one of the things that we can get into trouble with is is kind of a carryover from uh, the older way of doing websites in, in that you needed to understand coding and things like that. It was harder to make websites before places like WordPress and Wix and uh, Squarespace and these others popped up. And so you'd have guys who, oh, I know code and I can HTML, I can Joomla, I can do all these things. And they would make these great-looking websites but they would be the only ones who knew how to use it and update it and change it and whatever. That person, most of the time, has a job. They have a family. They probably have other responsibilities in the church there. You know, if it's a deacon, they've got other things that they've been assigned to do. Maybe they're a Bible class teacher on top of work, on top of family. Uh, And you get that guy, he's the only one who knows how to do it, or that girl, and she's the only one who knows how to do it. And then maybe they move or they're gone for a while or they get busy with, you know, what pays for their home and what pays to take care of their family that uh, the website gets put on the back burner. Okay, that's not good. And there are a lot of websites that die out because all of the load has been put on one person, uh, either on purpose or accidentally. Uh, And then when they move away, nobody else knows how to fix it. And so there's just a new website that's made. Or worse, uh, we're just not going to mess with the website at all anymore. It it just stops being thought of, period, and it just goes and dies. And then you you go and look for them online, and it hasn't been updated in five years, you know, when that person moved away. That's one of the biggest things uh, and mistakes that we make is we, we load the Internet onto one person. Uh, when they have so much else going on. Websites need to, and this fix is, uh, I, I believe is easy. It might be more difficult depending on how many or how few people attend uh, where you are. Uh, but you need to have multiple people that can access, that can work on these things. Uh, I, I am updating the website right now. I'm changing some things, and I will uh, kind of be a safety valve for a lot of stuff if things go wrong. Uh, you know, hacking is a thing that exists. You know, if something goes wrong with the website, I want to be able to mess with it and all those things. But there are already uh, one, maybe two other people who currently 
update the website. And the system we're going to is a little easier. So it'll be easier to bring people in to say, okay, you want to be in charge of this. Well, let's walk you through it and teach you how to do it. That way, if I'm out of town, I don't need to worry about what happens on Monday with updating the website and the sermons and things like that because she'll get it. You know, if she's gone, she doesn't need to be because I will do it. Uh, and that way the, the website's not going to go out of date. It's always going to stay up to date because we're sharing the responsibility and, and the weight of that work with other people. Uh, so don't put all of the workload on one person. They're going to get overwhelmed. If they move away, you're in trouble. You need to have multiple people, not a ton of people, but two or two or three, maybe four, uh, depending on how expansive you want your website to be, what all it's holding, uh, and you know maybe if you want to assign them specific roles. Uh, but you want to have a few people that share the responsibility of a website so that they can all be accountable to each other and then they can all get on and work. Uh, and make sure that their various parts of the site stay up to date. So the first mistake, we don't keep it up to date because we want to put too much on or we don't really have people working on it. Second is, a big mistake we make is we put it all on the one guy who knows how to do code stuff and then nobody else can get in uh, or that person moves away. And so we fix that by getting more people involved in the website. Here's the third mistake uh, and one of the big ones we use our websites to reach our church group. Okay, in other words, we are taking a tool that is on the world wide web, and I know we don't call it that anymore, it's just internet, uh, but the world wide web, and we use it to reach the local group of however many people uh, are sitting in the pews each week. I'm not saying that it's wrong to market to that group, and that's that's what this is, It's it's marketing. Uh, you're, it's not wrong to reach that target audience, uh, those people that are there locally. But I think it's a very short-sighted use of the Internet. You are capable uh, of reach. I mean, your, your reach with your, with your website could be millions or billions, technically, Um not necessarily realistically, but it could. You have that potential. That potential exists to reach a high number of people. Why focus it in on 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, that kind of stuff? And that's what I was talking about in that very first point of we want to put up prayer requests. We want to put up these other things. People, the, the majority of people viewing your website will not be the people in your congregation. It will be people from elsewhere, uh, outside, maybe in the community uh, it may be, so not in the building, but in the town or the surrounding area. And that's kind of how this breaks down. Uh, you can, you can reach local, you can reach world. And then in between you have kind of a, uh, and I don't know what to call it. Uh, we'll, we'll say community. So you have your local, you have your community and you have your, your global. And so you can gear it towards this tiny audience. You can gear it towards a, we're not going to put anything having to do with locally. We're just going to try to reach global. Uh, we're just going to put out articles about uh, salvation and other things like that to try to reach a global audience. But a global audience doesn't care about your VBS because they're not going to be there. They're on the other side of the world or they're two states away, that kind of thing. Or there's a medium ground in there. And that's that's kind of where... Uh, I've settled on for the website we're doing. I want to have events up there. Not all the events, but some of the big ones. I want VBS on there. That's a big event we do. I want 
some of the seminars we do to be on there because that's an event. I want to be able to point people that live here to our website so they can see what's going on. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to, uh, or, or at the same time, I also want to reach people that are further than that. I want articles about salvation and things like that. So maybe they'll read it, come to a knowledge of God. They can't come to our congregation because they live too far away, but maybe they can find a different one elsewhere, and that's fine with me. Uh, because it's the World Wide Web, I want to reach as many people as I can. That's the, the point of my website. What I don't want to do, and what I think is the, the worst way to do it, and, and the, the way I think a lot of websites in the church go, is they want to focus it in on we need to have a calendar for our members. We need to have directory for our members only. Uh, we need to have you know prayer requests, and we should probably make that our members only too. And so what you end up with is, and I've clicked on several church websites like this, where I click on, and I want to see, you know, about their membership, or I want to see about their calendar or something, and you click it, and it says, oh, this is members only restricted, you have to have a password and login and all that. I'm probably not coming to your church. I mean, that's that's not a, that's not a good thing for me. The only thing I've been able to see is contact info. I don't want to call you. I got online so that I could see and learn about you there. I don't want to call uh, I guess I can send an email, but who is going to say something bad about their church, right? You're going to say, oh, it's great. It's a it's a warm, welcoming congregation. We'd love to have you here, all that kind of stuff. I came to your website to find out more about you, uh, or in the case of you know your written articles or things, I stumbled upon your website because I searched for baptism, and you had articles on it, and it came up in my web search. Uh, you You want to not limit the power of the internet to your local group. Can you do things for your local group? Yes. Uh, I, I really like the idea of those things in Bible class. You know, preachers, if you're listening to this, those things that you have to cut out of your Bible class because you have 40 minutes, but you have an hour's worth of stuff. That extra 20 minutes, I'm a big believer that that becomes an article or that becomes maybe a podcast like this and you put that to the website, and you encourage people after Bible class, there's more I wanted to say on these things, and it'll be available on the podcast on Tuesday morning. We'd love for you to come listen to it on the church website. I think that's an awesome idea, and that's great not just for a global audience, but also for the local one. So in that way, you are helping your local group, but you're also making it wider, uh, uh, have a wider reach to a greater audience than that. I just think one of the biggest mistakes we can make, and, and I understand this is more opinion, that's that's what a lot of this is, quite frankly, uh, opinion, but I think it's really, I think it's a really bad idea to say we're going to take this tool that has the potential to reach people all over the world, and we're going to use it exclusively to reach this tiny little audience here. Stuff like Facebook, that's better for. Stuff like Twitter, that's better for. Uh, have a, a texting thing in your church where you can text people or email your members about things that are going on. But don't use the internet for that. Use your website to reach people. Okay, we, we are not in the business of growing local churches. We are in the business of saving people's souls. Okay, and you have an opportunity with your website to do that all over the world from the little office you're sitting in in that small town. I mean, I'm sitting in a very small town right now, uh, being able to get this message out to people that are in different states than me, uh, and even some people that are in different parts of the world than me, 
that's not a testament to me. That's a testament to the power of the internet. So don't take your website, limit it to a small audience. The The best solution I can give, and I've talked about it a little bit interspersed between this. I, I kind of got ranty on this, sorry. Uh, inter, interspersed between this problem was, uh, I, I think the solution to this is think bigger. What can we do to reach people in the community with this? What can we do to reach people outside of our community, outside of our state with this? What can we do to benefit other churches in the area or other churches uh, in the state or other churches in the country? Is, is there a way we can use our website to encourage Christians who aren't near a church? You know, some of these, there are some states, and I've, I've lived in the Bible Belt my entire life, there are some states where there's a church here and the next closest one is three hours away. You know, I grew up with, there's one here, there's one 20 minutes away, and there's another one 30 minutes and another one 20 minutes, and we'll do area-wides and there'll be a thousand kids from 10 different churches. There are a lot of people who don't have that. So maybe your website can become that. Think bigger about the website than how can we help our local church with this. There are a number of things you can do to help the local church. The website for the church can do that. And if you think globally, I think it will still have splash effect there. But don't just limit your thinking to the local audience. Those are three, I think, mistakes uh, that churches make when it comes to their websites. Uh, You may agree or Uh, You may disagree. That's fine. There are other mistakes, I'm sure, as well. Those were three that came to mind uh, as I was prepping for today's uh, episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts, again, at my email, jdaviddodgen at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter as well, uh, Jack underscore underscore David. I think it's two underscores. I don't know why I did that. Uh, But you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook, strongchurch.org as well, and our, our Strong Church Facebook page. All of those places where this will be posted, SoundCloud as well. Leave your comments. Talk to me. I would love to hear your thoughts on this, whether you agree or disagree. Just disagree nicely if you would, please. Uh, Those are three mistakes and the three fixes, I think, that are needed uh, to correct those things. I'm passionate about website stuff, guys. And And I think the church is farther behind on websites than we ought to be. Uh, And I think there's real potential to use this stuff for a lot of good. I I think that we are alive at this time uh, and and around at this time, serving God at this time for a reason. And I think God has allowed us to be around when the Internet exists so that we would use it for Him. Okay, and we need to take this responsibility of the internet more seriously uh, than we do. And and this will be something I talk about more. Uh, This won't be the last time you hear me talk about this. Uh, I did intend for this podcast to go shorter, and then I kind of got caught up in the stay away from the local audience trap. I want to know what you think uh, we can do to make our church websites better. Love to hear your feedback uh, and incorporate that maybe into a future episode as well. This has been the episode for today. I hope that this helps uh, with your church websites. I hope that you leave this going, all right, I need to go talk to my elders and you go talk to the leadership about uh, what we can do to make our websites better. We've got a great tool at our disposal. Let's make sure that we're using it the best we can. Uh, this has been the episode. I am Jack Dodgen. Keep creating. I'll see you next time.